Welcome to the Beyond Physical Therapy Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to physical therapists and other healthcare professionals that have broken away from the pack of everyday clinicians. Learn how to shift your mindset away from traditional PT and healthcare as we interview those that have already found a way to move beyond their day-to-day job. I'm your host, Zach Reggio. Let's dive into today's episode. Just embrace the idea of going for something new and and to get experience in the clinic, say yes to things. Think about how you might step into your powers and you might step into what your strengths are when you do take on these extra roles and they might bring you some energy and some inspiration that you can then take into your patient care. For everyone coming out of school, you have a doctorate. PT made me into a self-starter. You have to be able to take initiative as a PT or you will literally just fail. Remember that you have that going for you above all these other candidates in a lot of these roles and you have a natural iterative mindset. I mean, you approach a problem. If something isn't working, you systematically approach it by changing one thing at a time. We learn how to do that. And that's something that really only engineers and a few other people are trained that way. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We have a special guest, Meredith Kasten, aka the non-clinical PT. She started her business after leaving patient care and building a successful career as a rehab liaison and content strategist. Her mission is to help aspiring non-clinical physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists find the community, resources, and inspiration they need to build fulfilling and successful careers beyond direct patient care. Make sure you listen till the end to find out how you can get $50 off her non-clinical 101 course and navigate your way to a job that doesn't require patient care. Here's the episode. So Meredith, thank you for coming on the show. You are a special guest. I mean, you were one of the first people that I wanted on this podcast just because I think you embody you know, the whole message behind what I'm trying to put out for this podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. This podcast is definitely exactly what I love chatting about. So very stoked to be here. Awesome. Cool. So Meredith, first off, before we get started, do you mind just sharing with the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, where you are now? Sure, sure. I started out not as a PT. I was originally a graphic and web designer and hurt myself at the company party, went to PT, had never heard of it. And all of a sudden my back was all better. It was this like miraculous recovery. And so I was hooked and decided, oh, I want to be a PT. And I went to PT school. It all worked out really well. It was one of those things where like, oh, this is perfect timing. A PT school is opening right here, right now. They're looking for people. They're giving away money. They were, they were just trying to get the word out. So I was lucky. I was able to get scholarship money. I got in the second class of the new school that was starting here now. It's been open for like 12 years, St. Augustine, San Diego campus. But I realized, honestly, as I was going through school that I might have made a terrible mistake. That's a a bad feeling to have. And I I would assume maybe it's the same with you, given that you're doing this podcast. At some point, you probably had that feeling. I don't know if it was during school. Definitely, there's always that point where, you know, whether it's your job or or maybe like a difficult patient and you're just like, man, there's got to be something else out there that is for me. And every time I interview people like you and, and, you know, we had Brett on the show who was a colleague of yours, it's just like, man, these people are enjoying life and are extremely successful in what they're doing. And it's just, it's just amazing what they've done. 
So I think for me, yes, I've, I've had moments like that and I want to just kind of see what else is out there. So that's part of the whole reason why I started this. And I think maybe part of the reason why you started yours, but I'll let you get into your story. How did you, how did you kind of come up with the non-clinical PT? That, well, that ended up happening when I was working with Brett, in fact. So what had happened is I was on probably my fourth or fifth job, like three or four years out of school and not liking it. No, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate patient care. I didn't hate, I love collaboration. And so once I discovered the beauty of acute care versus outpatient where it's more collaborative and it's just feels more like a family, I really kind of liked that. But I just kept thinking, I don't think I could do this till I was 65 years old. This is just not my thing. And um, and so I was sitting there with Brett at the table one day and and we were having Thanksgiving dinner at Scripps and or Thanksgiving lunch probably. But I remember saying, I, I just can't see myself see myself doing this for the rest of my career. And he was kind of like, join the club. And I was, I was ribbing him like, you're a new grad, dude. You just took this job three months ago or whatever it was. But he started telling me about what he and Matt were doing with Covalent Careers. And did I want to start this blog for PTs? And I have always really loved writing and never really thought about it as a career. But when I look back into my family, like half my family is some sort of writing involved with their careers. So I don't know why I never thought about it. I guess just because you hear you never never make a, like a living that way. Yeah. But I never really thought about it. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, cool. I mean, it sounds like a, a good way to just kind of flex my creative muscles, but I just didn't think it would turn into anything serious. And then around that same time, I was able to get a rehab liaison job PRN, which is one of those non-clinical careers that's pretty easy for us to transition into. And there's a whole story behind that too, but I won't bore you with the details. But it was it was fun. And I just, I got out and realized, I love this, love this. And, and I loved being a liaison and I loved writing. And, and so I knew it wasn't what the inside of me was, was fearful of, which is, oh, you just have no work ethic. This is your second career and you don't like it. What the hell is wrong with you? And I realized, no, I just needed to kind of marry the two of them. And, and that's what I got to do. So it's been, it's been fun. But the, the idea for the non-clinical PT was really more when I was working with Brett, I just had all these people reaching out because we had this website called New Grad Physical Therapy for new PTs. And I would send out this, this weekly email blast or monthly email blast, whatever it was. And I would get people writing back saying, hey, I'm not really interested in these clinical jobs, but kind of was curious how you got into what you're doing. And so that was what sort of got my, my wheels turning was... I have so many people reaching out. I thought I was this weirdo. I thought Brett and I were like weird, weird, weird. Nobody else was telling me they were kind of feeling the same thing except like a friend here and there. And then all of a sudden, you know, every time I would send out an email, I was getting a couple of responses each time just saying, hey, can we get on the phone and and talk? So that was it. Can you share maybe some of the services that you're providing on your website? Sure. Yeah. When I first started out, incidentally, this will probably interest you and the listeners just because they've already heard Brett talking, but initially I said, hey, why don't we do a non-clinical wing of the company? And being that they were such a young startup, it just was not, it's not in the stars. You can't take a business model and just add something on like that. And so I remember we had this kind of agree to disagree conversation where I was like, this is my passion. Everybody's reaching out. I feel like I can help people here. And they were like, oh, it's not our business model. So that was sort of when the split came was when I just decided this was my passion. This is what I wanted to do. But it wasn't going to be a business because I decided I wanted to run this website just kind of 
on the side, I took a full-time writing job, just kidding myself. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go and take a a regular full-time job where I don't have to think too much. It was a writing job at an agency and I'll just run my website on the side. And then that way, if people have questions, I can just direct them to some article. And if, you know, if they want to reach out, they can get to me in this contact form. And that thing just exploded. And, And so that's when it became a business. And the services that I offer now are, are, kind of many fold, most, mostly just career development resources. So I have numerous different starter packs. So if somebody knows, they're probably like 25 plus non-clinical paths you can take. And if someone says, oh, I already know for a fact, I want to go into compliance, then these starter packs help them get get going with that. They come with resumes, cover letters, some resources for job searching and um, packets for practicing interview questions and things like that. But then I also have my course, which is my flagship product, and that's Non-Clinical 101. And that just takes all those different 25 career paths. I should say right now it's 14, but I'm rebooting it this fall and it's going to have 25, maybe more. And um, (laughs) thanks. So anyway, that kind of just rolls all the starter packs together and then just puts a ton more content, just really in-depth, how to write a resume, how to network, how to reach out to companies and show them value, um, how to really just look inside yourself and figure out what the heck you even want to do. Because I find that's the biggest question people have is they're like, I know I can't do this long-term, but what do I want to do? And that's, I mean, that's a million dollar question and it shouldn't be rushed. And that's, that's one thing I notice people do is they, they're like, they hit this point and they're just like, I can't take it anymore. I got to get the heck out of here. And then they just apply to a job. And if they're lucky and happen to land a job, then sometimes they don't like it because they didn't really think about what they wanted to do. They just kind of wanted out. So yeah, no, that makes sense. And that kind of brings me to my next question. You know, what, what are some of the first things you have your clients do who are looking to kind of move outside their current jobs? Like what are some of the first things you start with? Sure. So most people who come in, they, they're going through the course. And then I do coaching with people who have taken the course because they already have that foundation. I, I liken it to having a PT student who's gone through a couple of terms and then I take them on as a CI. But uh, so what I'll do is I'll have them start with the course, but the course does start with a lot of introspection. There are a bunch of different analyses that go into the process. So I I created a few myself and then my sister's a career advisor. And so she and I work together to kind of adapt some of the ones that are industry standard in the career space. So values, assessments, and things like that. And then I have people take a couple of personality tests. And this just helps people identify really at the core, what you love doing, what you don't like doing, what you're good at, all those things that really help you understand why you don't want to stay in patient care. Some people don't want to stay in it because it hurts them physically, but they love everything else about it. So they're going to have one career track that works for them. Other people are like, I don't even want to deal with people. I don't want to interact with people. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't want to collaborate. I don't want to do teamwork. I'm an independent contributor. And so then they're going to go a completely different direction. And I think it's really important to sit and and really just dive into yourself and spend some time going, what do I not like? And what do I like? And really what you're good at. Yeah, definitely. Kind of seeing like, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Yes. You know, what what path do I really want to go down? Very cool. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people probably have a hard time with that and you kind of help steer them in the maybe the correct direction, right? Yeah, definitely. And I will say most of the people who I end up coaching, that's where they get stuck. They They take the course and they say, you know, I'm stuck. I'm still not sure what I want to do. And sometimes it does take a little bit of coaching, just one-on-one with somebody to have an objective person come in and talk with you and say, well, I'm picking up on this. And sometimes they won't even pick up on something where 
you know, you can hear how their voice talks or when, how their voice sounds when they're describing their day. I'll say, well, describe what it felt like to treat a patient. And they'll say, oh, you know, this and that. And oh, but that look in their face when XYZ happens. And so then you say, well, if you really love that moment where something clicks for someone, maybe it's maybe it has to do with education, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go into academic education. You can go into clinical education. You can go into clinical training, hospital education. So there are all these different things that you can take away from what somebody loves, but that is where where the coaching often comes in is just somebody goes through the exercises, but especially if they don't have like a partner or friend who wants to kind of go through it with them, they just want to get on the phone and talk it through with someone. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And so what do you think are maybe some of the reasons why so many PTs are, are looking for a career change? What are some of the things that people have said to you? Yeah, this is such a good question. And I think it, I think it evolves, to be honest. When I first was taking this alternative path, I think personally it was about, I think, productivity and feeling appreciated in the workplace. And I had some bosses who were really appreciative, but at the end of the day, I kind of felt expendable and like a cog in the machine. And you were talking about personality tests, but I have the type of personality that I want to be part of this great change in the world. And so you, it's an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs and it's a type seven on the Enneagram. And you can look into all this stuff. I didn't realize any of this about myself. I just knew that I felt, I felt like I was going into this profession PT to really change lives and to really make an impact in people's health. But I felt like when I got out there, I was more of just kind of a cog in the machine. And there were other factors. Of course, I wanted to make more money. Of course, I wanted to like move up and grow in my career and do all of those fun things. But I think the real thing that was motivating me to change was I had to feel like I was parting part of something great. And other people will have a very different motivation. That's why I said, oh, this is a big question because for some people it is money. And I think recently it's more money than it was 10 years ago when I got out of school because the cost of education has skyrocketed. I mean, reimbursements continue to fall. It's it's crazy. Just right now with this 9% Medicare cut, I could swear it was just 8% that they were talking about a few months ago. So it just feels like every couple of months, there's another slash, there's another cut. And so just the idea that people are coming out of school and they have all this debt. And then I, I think people could wrap their heads around that and be okay with it if they still felt appreciated in the workplace. Meaning if you did go out and get a specialization, okay, then you'll get a pay raise. Or if you do go out and get a specialization, then there's some sort of career advancement. But PTO attracts a lot of, again, nerd alert, but type three on the Enneagram, that's the achiever. And it attracts a lot of type threes. And they come in and they and they think that they're going to be in this career where, yes, they're helping people, but they're also advancing and they're growing and they're achieving. And so when that doesn't happen and they start to realize that for all this con ed, that they're taking their hard-earned PTO to go to this place and learn, it doesn't mean anything. And they could just like subscribe to a low-cost CEU company and get the same amount of CEUs for their license. It's just not as appealing for people. And so I think for everyone, it's a different, it's just a different reason what they're going to say is their rationale, but then it just comes back to what is your why for wanting to leave? And then that's going to guide you in your next step. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. There's, there's so many different reasons. There's, there's burnout, there's being underappreciated, you know, there's little to no advancement, Uh, you know, once you get to a certain stage, you're not getting paid extra for maybe a certification, you're having to see more patients for the same amount of pay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a whole wide range of them, but uh, no, I do appreciate everything that you shared. And I think that gave a good insight to, you know, at least some of the reasons why you felt like stepping outside of that career choice was, you know, your best decision. So cool. Sure. Thank you. 
Sure. Thank you. And when, when, to your point on burnout, I can't believe I didn't say that. That's a huge one. One thing I will say though, is that I think that burnout is kind of endemic in American culture at this point. And so I hear so many people talking about burnout in, in every single profession, healthcare included, but it's one of those things where I think we just need to make some systemic changes to how we approach work in our culture. And yes, we have that issue in our profession, but I think I think expecting to solve the burnout problem by going into another career is in a sense kind of setting yourself up to maybe be a little disappointed because people are overworked in every freaking profession in this. It's just sad. Definitely. We all need a three day work week, like six hours a day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That sounds wonderful. I don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Someday maybe. (laughs) Awesome. So do you ever miss uh, maybe the clinical side? Do you, are there things that you miss about treating patients? I got to be honest and say, I really don't. I mean, I really don't. There, there are aspects that I miss. I miss, there were once in a while, I would, I loved the sweet little ladies that had surgery and they were so terrified and I would get them out of bed for the first time and they would realize that they could move and they could walk on this new hip or on this, you know, um, weight bearing is tolerated fracture kind of thing. I loved that. And there were a few patients too, when I worked in my very first job, I worked with a really underserved community and it comes down to that make a difference mentality. And so I miss when I was working with this kind of underserved population, when someone would say, I've I've had a shoulder pain for 12 years and I can't believe this worked. So I miss that, but I think I don't miss patient care per se, because I still get that feeling with the work that I do now. And I would say I get it more frequently because just because of the nature of the fact that it's my business. And so I'm, I'm the one in the forefront. I'm not spending half my day doing documentation. I'm working with people every day. I'm emailing with people. I'm supporting them. So, so I don't miss the patient care, but, but I, I sometimes do miss that like population of the sweet little old ladies or the underserved populations that I could help in that respect. Yeah, definitely. Love the sweet old ladies. <laughs> I love them. So what do you think are some myths or stereotypes about choosing non-traditional jobs that you would like to debunk? I love this question so much. There are so many. I think one of them is that you are a jerk or that you're selling out the profession or that you're wasting your career or that you're greedy or that you weren't a good clinician, or that you didn't have what it takes. I mean, there are just so many of those. And I think that I told myself all of those things. And I'm sure anyone who has a podcast like this, or anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably telling themselves this saying, well, I must just not have, I, I must not just be cut out for working with people, or maybe I just don't have what it takes. I'm just and and if you're struggling with the clinical aspects, even, oh, maybe I'm just not as smart as I thought I was. None of this is true. It's just PT is not uh, clinical PT. I'll put it this way. The way it looks today is not the same that it was 20 years ago. From what I understand, I wasn't there, but it's certainly not what it was 30, 40 years ago. And it's a different world. And some people thrive on that in, intense sort of boom, boom, boom schedule. And other people don't. Some people do their deepest thinking when they have some time to step back and just sort of chew on things. Again, that's that internal looking into yourself. But you shouldn't tell yourself that you're bad at anything. And anyone who does tell you that you're bad at anything or that you need to put in your time or do pay your dues 
is full of it because I know people who've gone straight from PT school into non-clinical roles. And I know people who've treated for 40 years and gone non-clinical. That's an exaggeration, probably 30 years. But, um, but, but people who've treated their entire lives and then they've made a switch at like 55, 60 years old. And so it really just boils down to the way we talk to ourselves and the way we treat ourselves is going to manifest in real life. So if we're talking to ourselves and saying, you're an idiot, you made such a mistake going to PT school, what a dumbass, you know, you paid all this money and it's not paying off. Like that's how you're going to present in interviews. That's how you're going to sound in your cover letters. And it's just false. Some of the people I've spoken with, sorry, I'm on a soapbox here, but some of the people I've spoken with over the years, they have gone on to do the most incredible things and they're, they're the same ones who I had conversations with early on where they were like, I've made a huge mistake. I'm an idiot. I'm just so embarrassed, that kind of thing. And, and now I look at them now and think, my God, this is, I mean, look what you've done for the profession. Look at what you're doing. Look at how you're showcasing what PTs can do in the healthcare space. It's incredible. Yeah, no, I love it. There's a ton of great people out there that, you know, many more that I need to get on the podcast that are just doing amazing things to represent our career, not only in the traditional aspect, but all the other things that we can do with the doctorate level education. So I think it's amazing and people are doing great work, including yourself. Thank you. And it's true. You really got to not listen to the haters, including, you know, your own personal inner hater. You know what I mean? You got to kind of tune that out to, to just kind of find your own area of expertise or area of work that you love. So. Yes, definitely. All right. So what are some of the more interesting areas of work your clients have gone into? Another good question. And I mean, it's, it's hard to narrow it down because what one person considers interesting, another person would consider super boring. Mm -hmm. Perfect example. I would say the most common thing people ask me about is going into utilization review, which would make me want to claw out my own eyes. I would be so bored. But I know people who love it. They're like, this is my dream job. And so that's chart review. Well, that's simplifying it. It's it's ensuring that the utilization of PT benefits are, um, is properly being distributed to members. That's the fancy way of saying it. Basically just saying, making sure that people don't overuse benefits and that they're being used appropriately by members. And uh, so I would say that one is is the most popular, but the more interesting ones, in my personal opinion, I would say clinical informatics is super fascinating. That's if you're the type of person who you're a good communicator, you are good with tech, you're good with EMR, you always seem to like pick up the new EMR really easily or say, oh, you know, we could get rid of this screen and go right to the next one and that'd save us each a minute and a half for our documentation. Then um, that's that kind of role because you're basically a liaison between IT and clinicians and you're improving workflows and more or less making people hate EMRs less, which is always a good thing. That's a great thing. And Great thing. And then uh, consulting is always an exciting one because you can do pretty much anything. I'd say some people love ergonomics. That's one that I wouldn't want to do as much, but it's it's a fascinating role if it's what interests you. Clinical specialist is another really cool one, which is there's some crossover with um, clinical trainer, but a clinical specialist, I just featured someone on my site who does this and I've got a few more, but they're basically, they work for a company and they will represent some sort of product or device and they'll educate the public or professionals on it. They'll train people on its use. So someone might work for a DME company and train them on use of, say, like an AFO or some sort of NMES device or something. And so you can really have all sorts of things out there that you represent. And your your job is to just kind of spread awareness, answer questions, train people on the safe usage. I know people who've gone into clinical trials. I know people who've gone into project management. Um, 
gosh, interesting. It's just, there's so many. Um, user experience is another really cool one. Medical science liaison. User experience does take some more training and medical science liaison tends to require a little bit of background in sales first. But both of those roles are, I mean, talk about baller. If, if, if your reason for wanting to go into a new field is money, first of all, no shame in that, especially if you have a bunch of debt. Side soapbox, because I love soapboxes, but side soapbox... I don't think anyone should ever get shamed for wanting more money, especially if they're in debt. And especially if that shame is coming from somebody who didn't have debt in school. So anyway, those jobs make a lot of money. And so, I mean, there are so many, I could, I could ramble through the whole list, but there are just so many, and it really just boils down to your interests, your desire, your ability and willingness to invest a little bit more in yourself. Sometimes you just need an extra certification. Sometimes you need a whole... I'm not going to say a full-on extra degree except rare cases, but you know, sometimes you need an MPH to really take the direction you want to go. But there are just so many cool roles out there. and I'll stop talking about them, though. No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> great. I, I think it's such an amazing feeling to have all these other options available to you, especially for people who may have lost their job or stopped working during the whole COVID pandemic. So just to know that there's other things out there that they can do and, and possibly even do from home is incredible. I'm really glad that you're sharing that with people and kind of showing them that there, you know, there's a light on the other side of the tunnel. So very cool. So can you maybe tell me about one of your mentors that you've had that has influenced, you know, you starting your own business? Sure. This is, this is a really interesting question because I was, I was thinking about that recently and I often wondered because I didn't ever really have clinical mentorship other than my very first job And I never really had a formal business mentor either. And so I think a lot of it was very self-taught, which is kind of sad. But at the same time, once I got my business started, as far as it was a website and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it, but I realized it needed to, I needed to do something because it was eating into my entire full-time job. And that's a whole nother story. But I was at that job five months total because my I got so busy with the website that I was literally unable to keep up with the work that was coming in from it. And so that was when I actually met this woman, Shanda Jothan, and she runs a website called Pink Oatmeal. And she's your classic non-clinical PT who is an entrepreneur. And she started probably back in 2014. And kind of has a similar story to mine. She just sort of started blogging for fun and to share some information with people. And then it, it spiraled and became her business. But she is, I think the reason I consider her my biggest mentor is that she's the mom of three kids. I have no children and I still get overwhelmed by work. So I was always like, how the heck do you do this? Um, you have three little kids at that point under five and you run a very, very successful online business. What is your secret? And her whole thing is make everything as passive as possible and work smarter, not harder. And I hear that a lot, but then what I see in action is a lot of not working smarter, not working. I mean, people are working hard in the online space, but I see a lot of, I see a lot of the same sort of techniques and tactics being taught and used. And many of them are they're they're not bad tactics, but they weren't where I wanted to be. I wanted to work less and enjoy life more. And so that's always been my goal with my business. I don't need to make millions of dollars. I just want to make, you know, enough to to basically fund my retirement dreams and um, 
and be able to have a life that I enjoy. And so um, that was really why I think she sort of became a de facto mentor because we became friends through, I think originally I was just featuring her on my site. We started talking on the phone and now we talk all the time and we do, we ask each other questions, but I would say it's still, she's more of the mentor just because she's been at it longer, but she'll call me out. I'll, I'll say, Oh yeah, I got this idea. I really want to do this. And she'll be like, she has, she's from the Midwest, but she'll be like, that's not passive in her Midwestern <laughs> accent. She'll be like, you're going to work too hard. I think you need to re- rethink that. And I always, I always tease her with her accent and everything, but it's just been the best relationship. And she's really helped me, you know, stay focused on the fact that, that I really want to do this business because I love it. And I don't want to grow to hate it by having it just completely consume my life. Yeah. No, she sounds like a great mentor because it sounds like She's kind of, you know, maybe when you lose sight of your original goal, right? Having more time to yourself, she kind of like pulls you back down and says like, remember what your goal was? Like, so that's, that's awesome to have somebody like that. That's exactly what you need. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one mentor is fine. I mean, everyone has the other mentors, Google and YouTube. Those are big, you know, so... (laughs) Well, and that's an excellent point because I will say my other kind of mentor is, is this woman whose podcast I love, Amy Porterfield. She has a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. And she's right here in San Diego, but I've never met her in person. But she, I love how she teaches her podcast. So anyone who's listening who wants to run an online business, I would say definitely listen. She gives away just a ton of great information. You don't have to buy her products. She's, I mean, she's so generous with her knowledge and her insight. And the way she teaches really appeals to me. She's very, and maybe this says something about my intelligence, but she really like makes it kind of dumbed down for the audience where she'll do step by step. And, but I think that's really what I needed being new to the marketing world. And yeah, I had this web and graphic design background, but that's not marketing. I did not know what I was doing with content marketing, content strategy, running campaigns and emails and lead magnets and funnels and all that stuff. I didn't know anything about it. And I found her, I, I drove to Ascend to the WebPT conference a couple years ago. And I, it's like a five or six hour drive. And I just did nonstop Amy, Amy Porterfield podcast yeah, <laughs> the whole time on the way there and back. And I was like, holy crap, I feel like I just got like some sort of online, you know, digital marketing education there. So <laughs> yeah, you had like a degree when you got out of the car. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and just from her free podcast and you can buy, she has a lot of great resources and packages. I'm not trying to dissuade people from buying them because I do like the idea of supporting her. She's wonderful. But given that a lot of your listeners are probably already in the hole a little bit from yeah, school. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to put in the show notes for everybody so they can, uh, you know, check her out. For sure. Yeah, oh, she's wonderful. And there's another one called Smart Passive Income by Pat. Oh, Flynn. yes, I do like that one. Yeah, yeah. And I so I listened to both of them, but I would say I love Pat Flynn. You actually kind of remind me of him a little bit on oh, some yeah. level. Yeah, <laughs> a huge compliment. Um, but she, um, like the way she does her podcast formats is just so hand holding that it, it just really appeals to me in all of my coming from ground zero yeah, nature. Yeah, you, you need that when you're first starting out. I definitely yeah. agree with that. So, very cool. So what do you think is your your biggest failure maybe that you, you've had going along and, and what you learned from it? I think this is such a good question too. You, you have a really, really good question. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I would say my biggest failure as a, as a person, as a human has always been that I have a tendency when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Like I peace out. I, it was a problem with my jobs. It's always been my philosophy in life. I mean, look how many times I've changed careers. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where 
where I look at it like, what's your biggest weakness? And then it turns out to be your strength. But for me, my biggest weakness has always been stick to itness. And I always joke with my husband that like, he's my anchor and I will stick with him. But that means that everything else in life has to be fluid. And, (laughs) and I mean, it's just my personality again, type, type seven in the Enneagram. And so I've even struggled with, with the non-clinical PT, which is something that's made me happier than anything in my entire career, leaps and bounds. And I still struggle. Some days it's hard or some days I'll, I'll feel like I'm pushing a rock up the hill and it rolls back down. And it's tempting to just be like, ah, screw it. You know, I could just go get a writing job so easily, but I don't want to do that. It's, so I think that's been maybe the like muscle I've had to exercise in running this business is saying, okay, embrace all of these times that you've jumped jobs and, and run away from things because you haven't enjoyed them. But then take that to say that has given you all of this insight and information and experiences to take and build this current business, but don't go jumping ship this time. That would be very stupid. And I, I don't want to, it's just, there are just certain things that you'll, you'll see, you'll see what I mean. Sometimes you have these days where you're like, Oh, I just want a full, yeah, I just want a regular job. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and it sounds exactly like me. I, every other podcast, I feel like I'm saying, Oh, my mind's going in 10 different directions. I want to do 10 different things at the same time. So yeah. I totally agree with you that it's, you know, sometimes you have all this motivation, all this energy, and then, you know, the next day you're like, oh, what if I try this, this other thing? And it kind of distracts you from your main goal. So yeah. I really feel the same way. You're, you're not a Sagittarius, are you, by the way? I'm not, but I <laughs> love Sagittarii. Yes, I, I thought, swear. Man, that was just a Sagittarius thing. <laughs> Some of my favorite people are Sagittarius. You guys are fiery. Lots of fun. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> guiding the fire is hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So what are some of the best resources that have helped you along the journey to becoming the non-clinical PT? You already answered that with your Google and YouTube. (laughs) I would say definitely Google. I'm not as much of a YouTuber um, for career stuff or for business stuff, but I definitely turn to it for personal, you know, pleasure for fun stuff. And uh, that sounded so bad. I mean, for things like gardening, No cat videos? Well, cat videos, <laughs> yes. Music recording, all those fun <laughs> but, um, but it sounded like something else. Yeah, definitely LinkedIn. And I would say LinkedIn has been a huge, 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 huge asset. Because when I was first starting out, I would Google. I remember this phrase that I would frantically Google at like 3 in the morning the night before I'd have to go into work. And it was like, PT turned blank. And so I put PT turned into quotes. And I would just see what people would write on their blogs or their about me page where they would say, hi, I'm Marcy. I'm a PT turned marketing strategist. And I found all these people. And that was like my self-soothing rocking behavior before I would have to go into work the next day is I would just Google things and be like, oh my gosh, other people did this. Other people made this change. I'm not a freak. And they seem so happy. There was this one woman who I've, it's so funny. I've been trying to find her again because I found her like, you know, six or seven years ago. And I don't know if she's doing something else now, but I, but I used to always land on her page and she kind of became my muse because I was always going, Oh my gosh, I could just do something like that. Cause she was doing kind of a marketing thing, but I think she strategized with healthcare companies because of her background. And I remember thinking that'd be perfect graphic design, little PT. I could totally do this. And so Yeah. I mean, I think just doing the research, doing the hard work and again, like shameless self-plug, that's what I did with my course. And that's why I created it because there are so many people out there who are 
you know, they don't have time to look these things up. If you're young, you don't have kids, you, you like have a lot of energy. You can stay up till two in the morning doing your research. That's one thing. But a lot of people who come to the course come to it at the point in their lives where they're saying, I want to change part in part because I have a family and I want maybe a little more flexible job, more remote options, that kind of thing. Then they come and they take the course because they just, they kind of want someone who's already done all the research done all the pros and cons of each career track, talking about, oh, which personality types do these match with? Uh, what do you need on your resume? What do you need on your cover letter? So, um, but definitely, I mean, LinkedIn, Google, you can find the answers you want. They're out there. Yeah, they're definitely somewhere out there. You just got to sift through the other stuff, right, to yeah. find it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So yeah. do you have any uh, other passion projects that you're working on right now or, or things you want to accomplish in the next few years? Yes, definitely. I mean, as a classic type seven, there's always something else going on. I would say my, one of my big passions is recording music and I don't play any instruments and my voice is terrible, but I have for some reason this ability. And so any of you guys who are type sevens out there, I'm wondering if you have this too, but this, this, like I hear a symphony in my mind and so I can concoct these crazy songs in my head, but I don't really know how to record them except to use the little voice notes app on the iPhone and do the beat first and then kind of lay down what the melody sounds like and everything else. And incidentally, I was watching one of those master classes with Dr. Dre and that's how he makes his beats. And I'm excited. I know. I was like, oh, (laughs) anyway, I was just really inspired by the fact that he does that too. But so my husband and I do that for fun. We have a couple of kind of side projects that I, I call them bands, but I think you have to play an instrument to be in a band. So they're more music recording projects. And then I really like um, growing vegetables like everybody else during the pandemic. Definitely. Yeah. And um, <laughs> camping. I love, love, love camping. But I will say my dream in life, if you want to know, like ultimate dream is to retire into this like giant piece of land with all of my friends and then connect all the different tiny homes of the lazy river. Oh my God. It'd be like a giant compound of tiny right. homes. That'd be yes. awesome. Yeah, I know. Well, you can come, you can join us. I mean, oh, it's open to whoever is down for this. I know it's not everybody's retirement gene. Everybody's like, Oh, retirement, grandkids, this and that. I'm like, Oh, give me a hundred cats, all of my best friends <laughs> in a giant lazy river. And I'm like, totally sad. That sounds like heaven. You can make like your own new town, you know, yes. apart, apart from everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very awesome. Cool. So I believe I just have one more question for you. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom for future PTs or healthcare professionals looking to step outside their traditional roles? Absolutely. I would say best advice I can give anybody who is ready to get started and hasn't is to sort of make peace with it first and ignore the haters. Haters are going to hate. Don't listen to them because it's usually anyone who has an issue with you doing something else has an issue with themselves staying where they are. That's what I've found over and over. And so then, you know, that's step one is make peace with it and understand that this is going to be a journey just like going to PT school was and just like, you know, getting your volunteer hours and and shadowing and taking exams. Not that you would necessarily have to do that, but it's, it's a process. It's a, a journey. And so make friends with the idea that this is going to be a journey, that there's going to be a period of frustration, that you're going to have disappointments along the way, but you're also going to have these incredible wins and to just embrace the idea of going for something new and and to get experience in the clinic, say yes to things, 
there are a lot of people, myself included, who I think I shied away from saying yes to things because I always felt like I'm not even that good of a clinician. I'm so young. I'm so green. Who's it to me to like get on a fall prevention committee or, or who am I to, who am I to take on a student? I'm not very good at like managing my own sanity and stress in the clinic. Why should I take a student? And so don't, think about things that way. Think about how you might step into your powers and you might step into what your strengths are when you do take on these extra roles. And they might bring you some energy and some inspiration that you can then take into your patient care. Or you can at least have some excitement about the future and you can stop looking at patient care as something that you have to dread every day because at least now you have this side project. And yes, you might stay after work to do it. And it might be a drag. It might be extra work. So then you say, okay, well, I know for a fact that compliance isn't for me. I didn't love preparing the the site for the surveyors. Okay. Okay. But let me try something else. Maybe the next term I'll work on getting involved with hiring. I'll do some interviewing for the new candidates. Maybe that leads me to more of an admin or HR career. So I think it's just important to just say yes to things and maintain a positive attitude and remember that you still, I mean, for everyone coming out of school, you have a doctorate and a lot of people in upper management in these hospital systems do not know what we do. They do not know we have doctorates. They do not understand the depth of our brains and how we think. And one of my personal anecdotes I always tell is I was never a self-starter before I became a PT. And PT made me into a self-starter. You have to be able to take initiative as a PT or you will literally just fail. You won't you won't get your patient seen in acute care and, and outpatient. It's a little easier to not be a self-starter because you have a schedule, but it does. It turns you into a self-starter. And so remember that you have that going for you above all these other candidates in a lot of these roles. And you have a natural iterative mindset. I mean, you approach a problem. If something isn't working, you systematically approach it with a different by changing one thing at a time, we learn how to do that. And that's something that really only engineers and a few other people are trained that way academically. So remember all the things you have to offer, get excited, shut down the haters, including your inner critic and yeah, and go from there. Definitely. No, those are great words of advice. So yeah, I've always felt like, you know, if I wasn't a PT, I was like, I probably would have been like an engineer or something just because I feel like that's the kind of part of my brain that I use a lot of times when I'm trying to figure out like problems with patients and what to do and where to go. So I do agree with that. That's, that's you, great advice. Have you looked into data analytics or informatics? No, no, I haven't. I should look into it more. Yeah, I'll chat after the call a little bit. Okay, sounds yeah. good. <laughs> awesome. So Meredith, I, I really do appreciate you coming on. And just before we leave, I wanted you to maybe share with everyone where they could find out more about you or, or maybe where they could follow you on social media. Do you want sure. to just share that with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. I um, The nonclinicalpt.com, the nonclinicalpt, that's the easiest way because that's my website. And then I am on Facebook under the nonclinicalpt. Instagram, Twitter, one of them I'm non-clinical PT, I think on Twitter, everything else I'm the non-clinical PT. And then I would encourage you guys find me on LinkedIn because if you are changing careers, you need to be on LinkedIn. That is the first thing someone should do if they are preparing. Well, that's totally saying the opposite of what I said earlier, but that is the first thing you should do on social media if you're looking for a non-clinical career is to make sure that you have a really solid LinkedIn presence. So find me on LinkedIn and let's connect. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's great. Oh, definitely. Talk soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you haven't already, go check out Meredith's website, thenonclinicalpt.com. Tons of blog posts and information on the many different careers that PTs, OTs, and speech therapists have navigated outside their traditional roles. Also guys, Meredith has been kind enough to make me an affiliate of her program, Nonclinical 101. 
allowing you guys to save $50 when you sign up using the link below in the show notes. Definitely check it out. After having gone through it myself, it's really amazing how much more I know about myself as far as what type of jobs I like and what type of career best suits me. So definitely check it out. And as always, guys, please leave us a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. Link also below in the show notes. Thanks again, guys. Catch you in the next episode.